Welcome to the King's Anywhere podcast, inspirational teaching, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, whenever you're ready. Good morning, great to see you. Um, so we're um, part of our celebrating this month, 20 years um, as King's Church, so uh, some of the, uh, you will hear this morning, some of our story, so um, uh, just so that to give you a context for the talk. So um, we're looking at, at Psalm 42, and I'm just going to read uh, the, the first uh, verse from there, where it says, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. Now, I'm first reading of that, you you, you might be forgiven for thinking this is a desperate deer <laughs> that is dying of thirst and that wants to, to get to the water until you actually dig into the behavior of deer. And so I was, um, I was reading uh, a, a, a book by uh, Hannah Anderson and she lives, fortunately, um, where there are lots of deer um, so probably quite rural. And um, there's a, a road network near a house. And um, some of the roads are one-track roads. And um, the first thing you learn about the, navigating these roads is that the deer don't follow them. The deer have their own paths. And uh, in fact, um, they have a, an unmarked network of paths and highways that cut across uh, fields, forests, and um, the, the road near near her house. And uh, so she she thought they, they illustrate that that the deer illustrates that God's ways are not always our ways. As she watched these deer crossing all these man made man made roads, and. Uh, even in the snow, the deer follow the same paths, so they know um, which route to follow. And they're driven by their desires, so the shortest distance that they can travel um, to their bedding area, to their grazing area, and to their water source. They, take, uh, they have these paths that they have become established for them. And their young follow those paths. So, obviously, she'd lived there for a, a while. She'd seen the mother deer taking the, the, the young deer and teaching them these same paths. So, it was passed on from one generation of deer to the next generation of deer. And did you know that um, it's actually called a desire path? So um, it's an unplanned small trail that um, has been made by erosion caused by human or animal traffic. And it's been trampled enough times to take you to the desire and you learn it by heart. And it's called a desire path. Um, look it up on Google. <laughs> um, and so... 
When we think about this psalm, you know, the psalmist, as we go on, the psalmist is experiencing lots of different emotions. He says, my tears have been my food day and night. Where is your God? People are taunting him. Where is your God? And he remembers joy going to the house of God. And then he says, why are you downcast? My soul, put your hope again in God, my savior and my God. My soul is downcast. So lots of different emotions and then deep calls to deep in the valleys and in the mountain tops of life. I remember you. And people are still saying, where is your God? And so his desire paths are leading him to God. And the first thing to recognize about this psalm, it isn't this desperate deer on a one-time thirst for water. This is daily paths of predictable erosion that the deer has made. And so this psalm is speaking to us about, and the psalmist realizes that the paths to God are daily. Daily does he drink water, does he find nutrition, does he find sustenance in God. And we see that in verse where it says, by day, the Lord directs his love. At night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. So the psalmist is talking about daily paths, rhythms. And we've explored this as King's Church. It's something that we talk about. It's part of our DNA, isn't it? Our daily rhythms of life, coming to God in prayer, reading the Bible, our daily, our daily paths to find joy, to find hope, are in God, are in Jesus. And this is what this psalm is, is talking about. One of the, the, the things that I want us to highlight is how the, it's passed on from one generation to another. So the mother deer taking the, the young deer along the paths. And when we look back at uh, our story as, as kings, we see how, remember in the early days, we've always been a church that has wanted to make way for children and for young people. We've wanted to make paths. If you remember the early days of our church, we had lots and lots of parents and toddler groups, if you remember, in the community. Um, we've had kids zone in the past, and some um, of us, some of the young people here, have had invest, been invested in through that that time, and they're here with us um, today. They're, they're paths that have been passed on in our missional communities. We meet midweek in our missional communities. We have all age, don't we, in those in those settings. So we have some uh, parts where uh, they're focused on the children, but we also have all age opportunities where there's the older, there's the the grandparents, and then there's the parents, and then there's the children. And we've seen how that is really beneficial for uh, families and for young people, familiar paths as a church. And I just want to remind us about the importance of that. 
and to think about what that means for us now um, and remembering what are our familiar paths as King's Church. Is there something, we took seeds last week home um, as a sign of what is God wanting to do, what is God wanting to say and maybe there's a way of reimagining for us as King's Church in this season how we help our children, how we help our young people and young adults. And we make paths. So maybe sat here in this room, there are creative seeds, ideas. Because that's part of our history, of our journey as as King's Church. So, familiar path. The reason we're talking about this psalm is that we felt that it was key for us as King's Church in this season. So we felt that God's speaking to us through Psalm 42, and that's why we are looking at it uh, this morning. So, just find my phone. I was um, interested to, to read this story about the Queen and um, she says this uh, in the part of beginning of one of her books. She says, as I embark on my 91st year, I invite you to join me in reflecting on the words of a poem quoted by my father, King George VI, in his Christmas Day broadcast in 1939. The year that this country went to war for the second time in a quarter of a century. So this is three months into the war. And um, he read this psalm. He said, I said to the man who stood at the gate of the year, give me a light that I may tread safely into the unknown. And he replied, go out into the darkness. And this is where I love how the Holy Spirit knows what we're going to say beforehand. Put your hand into the hand of God. We heard that earlier, didn't we, in our worship? Put your hand into the hand of God. That shall be to you better than light and safer than a known way. So we're thinking this morning about familiar paths and unfamiliar paths. Putting our hand into the hand of God in unfamiliar in unfamiliar paths. And what really stood out to me about that is that wasn't, that wasn't the king who came up with that psalm. It was a 13-year-old Elizabeth, 13 years old, spoke to millions and millions of people with those words at the beginning of the Second World War. She was 13. Can we make way? Can we make pathways for our children and for our young people as a church? How important is that um, for us? And so I wanted to remind us as a church of that familiar, of, of that familiar path. S- secondly, God leads us in unfamiliar paths doesn't he? And um, I uh, was speaking to Izzy 
Now, Izzy is one of our young people, so it's a really good link. Um, and she gave me this next part of my talk because I felt what she was saying was actually what God was wanting to say to us here as, as King's Church at this point. She talked about being in Florida on the rides and she talked about listening for the click. Listening for the click. So when you get on a ride, it's very important, especially if it's the Hulk or something like that, (laughs) that you listen for the click. Because that means that you're secure on the ride and it's going to, it's going to take you on the ride. And, um, I don't, I don't like rides. You know, I famously went to Florida and walked to the front of the Aerosmith. I don't think you call it Aerosmith ride anymore, but walked to the front of Aerosmith on a fast pass, saw the ride and just carried on, <laughs> just carried on walking out. And Darren lost me, didn't know where I'd, where I'd, where I'd gone. So, you know, me getting on a ride is, that's scary. I mean, I wouldn't get on. I wouldn't get on the Hulk, even if, you know, you told me I was, there was going to be a click. <laughs> um, but the thing is, God invites us, you and I, into rides <laughs> in life. He takes us out of our comfort zones and he takes us beyond ourselves. And the thing is, physically, many of us would probably get on a ride, so we'll allow our body to go through trauma. Why won't we let God invite us into adventures that take you out of your comfort zones, that make you feel, I can't do this unless God steps in. I can't. This is an adventure that God has for me. And, you know, as King's Church... We've had adventures that God has invited us into. And I just want to challenge us this morning about listening for the click. Hearing when it happens. And then we have a choice as to whether we get on the ride. And that we go on the adventure that God is is wanting to take us on. So as part of our history as, as King's Church, um, we, we went on a ride. And it was like, for me, it was like getting on the Hulk. <laughs> um, so we, we've got that, that scripture, haven't we, in, in John 10, where it says, The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice, listen for the click, He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. And um, there's a story that we had as part of our 20 years here um, as, as King's Church when we just said, goodbye to um, Jenny, who'd been training as a a minister in training here at King's. And we'd had a Sunday morning where she'd finished her training and she was moving on. 
And we read from uh, Isaiah 35 that morning, um, which I will just quickly, quickly find for you. We, it's, about, it's about the desert and um, about the desert being fruitful. So it says the desert and the parched land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom. Um, and it will burst into bloom. And further down, it talks about um, the lame leaping like a deer. And it talks about water gushing forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. That was read out one Sunday morning. And I went home that afternoon. And I was watching something on TV. And I'd kind of listened to that, to that scripture about water in the desert. And on the TV came a program about Burkina Faso and um, the desert. I had never heard of Burkina Faso. I mean, I didn't even know Burkina Faso (laughs) existed. And like, it has some very unusual names like Wagadougou (laughs) as as the city in in Burkina Faso. So it was just an education. Uh, (laughs) And that afternoon... Um, I remembered the scripture that we'd read out in the morning. And so we're thinking about listening for the click. And that was the click. A couple of days later, I was in the kitchen, opened a magazine, full two pages on Burkina Faso in this magazine. I thought, this is getting a little bit scary, this. (laughs) Um, This is a little bit like God might be... We might be getting on a ride, and we might have to, <laughs> to go somewhere. And so then we contacted Burkina Faso, the people in Burkina Faso, and they replied. <laughs> so again, it's getting even more scary. The Hulk ride is starting to take, starting to take off. And um, in that email, the person said, guess what? I'm in Manchester next month. (laughs) Um, And it was all getting very, very scary. (laughs) This is getting clearer and clearer and clearer that this is the ride that God wants us to to go on. So So you know the story, went to Manchester, met Barima. They were talking about sand dams and um, boreholes. And a long story short of it, we were invited to raise £10,000 as a church and to put a well in a desert in Burkina Faso. And it ended up probably the ride of my life. So it's like getting on on the Hulk because I'd never led a team. I'd, I'd been abroad and taken teams abroad before. I'd never led a team. I'd never led a team to a Muslim country. I'd never led a team to the end of the kidnapping season in a Muslim Muslim country. And I had to have things like yellow fever, which... (laughs) um, Oh, injection. Not not actually have yellow fever, but the the vaccination (laughs) of yellow fever, just to clear that up. But it felt like getting on a ride, a click, an adventure... And the thing is about it, that wasn't something that we, when God invites us on a ride, 
When you go to Florida or Orlando, you go with friends very often, family, you're together, aren't you? And you're interlocked in that purpose and in that journey. And we were interlocked as a church in that purpose and in that journey. Many of you were in Marks and Spencers um, doing bagpacks and all kinds of things. And... Um, I borrowed these pictures from Steve. As you can tell, he's in the, he's in the, he likes his photo taken, as you remember, Steve. But, but it was something that, that God invited us into. And you know, when we listen for the click in your life, it's, it's very often a journey with others. It's a discipleship journey that others are invited into. And, and I have a real sense for us, King's, King's Church, that God is emphasizing to us to listen, to listen for the click, to listen for his voice. And then there's that invitation, will you get on the ride? Will you go out of your comfort zone? Will you let him take you? And he did it. In that, in that journey, there is a well in Burkina Faso, and I didn't die, <laughs> as you can see. We're still, we're still here. Um, but God invites us into adventures, and that's what I want to remind you of, King's Church, at this point in our birthday celebrations. And for you to listen for that click, listen for his voice. And let him lead us in, in, this, in this season. So I want us to think about, we've thought about unfamiliar, how God leads us in unfamiliar paths. And now we're just going to think about three familiar paths. So that's four fingers. Three familiar paths. Um, the first is, is prayer. And um, one of the, the things recently that we felt a familiar path is prayer. And God has been re-emphasizing that. And so we have our Friday night, monthly Friday night of prayer. And we're invited to come and to, and to pray. And God kind of spoke to us through the story of Ruth coming to the feet of Boaz as the kinsman redeemer and spending time at the feet of Boaz. And it's a picture, isn't it, of the church coming to Jesus, being in the presence of Jesus and that invitation. And so we're in that season of of thinking about that. And interestingly enough, when we've put that back in, we've we've discovered that in Burkina Faso, Barima... And the, the church there pray on the Friday night on the same. We didn't know that when we, when we put it back in. So it's almost like God has brought us back to a familiar, a familiar path. So we, we pray on the same Friday night as, as the church um, in, in Burkina Faso. So thinking about, about prayer and... Um, I tend to daily um, read the Bible, so 
I like reading through, through a book. But uh, I was challenged to not do that, but just to take a moment and ask God, where does he want me to read in the Bible? Um, so I, I did that. So I just sort of sat down and thought, okay, God, where would, you, where would you like me to read today in the Bible? And this is, I don't normally do, do that. And the story of Elijah and the rain um, came to my mind. And uh, I'm just going to read that to us. So 1 Kings 18, 41 to 46. Where it says, And Elijah said to Ahab, Go eat and drink, for there is the sound of a heavy rain. So Ahab went off to eat and drink, But Elijah climbed to the top of Carmel, bent down to the ground, and put his face between his knees. Go and look towards the sea, he told his servant, and he went up and looked. There is nothing there, he said. Seven times, Elijah said, go back. The seventh time, the servant reported, a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. So Elijah said, go and tell Ahab, hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. And on that, that morning, I'd been reading that, reading that scripture. A couple of hours later, I was sat in a coffee shop and reading through a book that I was reading. And the story came up, <laughs> Elijah and the rain in the book. I've been in a huddle this week uh, talking about this and a church leader in the huddle said that's what God has been speaking um, to to me through Elijah and the rain and I think that God is asking us to persevere in prayer Um, the psalmist in our psalm is in a place of prayer is, is praying um, to, to God. And he recognizes that the answer lies with God. Because if you think about it, that's what prayer does, doesn't it? Prayer recognizes that you recognize that the answer to your situation, circumstances, lies with God. And as the psalmist goes through this, People taunt him, where is your God? Or he's, he's tempted to find another saviour, isn't he, in, the, in, the, in this psalm. He's, he's tempted to move away. But he, he remembers those familiar paths. And the context of the, the story, Elijah and the Rain, that I was reading, was one of stolen joy. And in this psalm, he feels like his joy's been stolen uh, or being stolen, and he's 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 returning to his joy, and and I wonder about our prayer. It's about coming back to joy, taking back stolen joy in in your life. These familiar these familiar paths, and. Um, the psalmist in Psalm 42 doesn't get an answer at this stage. 
Um, what he does is he gets love on repeat. So he doesn't get an answer to the circumstances. What he gets is love on repeat. I love you. I love you. Each day, I love you. I love you. Song in the night, I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. And he, he realizes that that's the familiar path. That's the water, the daily water, the constant in his life. And he, he's driven to prayer like breath. Uh, he, he, needs to, he needs to pray. So God's love is on repeat. And he taps into the depths and the consistency of God's love. Daily, nightly, a familiar path. The love of God is a constant in our life. And he stays in that place of relationship. Each kind of generation has different things that distract them. I think ours potentially is busyness isn't it? Our generation, we, we do things from sun up to sundown sometimes. Um, we have coffee, caffeine to crank us up and keep us going um, because we get on that, in that, in that busy, that busyness. And, you know, we, we say later, I'll do that later, but later never comes. Jesus points to us to have those daily familiar paths of prayer it's vital that we have those um, in our lives. So the importance of prayer. And I think we're in a season where we're not going to get answers from the internet or podcasts or God TV or, or other things like that. We're going to get answers from being with Jesus. That's where we get answers and that's where the familiar path that we need to that we need to walk. Two more familiar paths. I'll try to do these quickly. <laughs> um, the gospel, Mark one fifteen and sixteen. Repentance is a familiar path to us. Okay, it says in Mark 1, we're familiar to this as King's Church. Repent for the kingdom of God has come. And um, repent and believe. We need to know that we have a lifestyle of repentance. The psalmist has a lifestyle of repentance. And a lot of us think repentance is negative, or we can do. We think about repentance as being a, a, a negative thing. Um, you know, when we sin, we should feel really sorry about it, beat ourselves up, do something to make up for it. Um, and uh, or we might think it's kind of some medieval penance that kind of sneaks into our thinking when we think about repentance. Um, and sometimes um, we think, we say things like, I don't believe I did that. Have you ever said that? Don't believe I did that. Um, or um, I promise to do better next time. And it's kind of like an unbelief that we can kind of be that bad. <laughs> um, but sin is a condition that we have. And repentance is part of our lifestyle. And our attitude towards sin in our lives is important because 
it leads us, if we have the right pathway, it leads us through repentance to Jesus. And true repentance is always, it's not about you. So it's not about you feeling better about something. It's not about you fixing yourself. True repentance leads us to say, I did do that. I'm sorry, Lord. And um, in Psalm 51, it says, Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Repentance is not about us. It's about who we've offended. So it's about our relationship with God and a lifestyle of repentance daily is coming to God and living in that place of repentance. The psalmist goes through that process of coming back to God in Psalm 42. It's orientated towards God, not, not me. Psalm 51, godly, uh, sorry, 2 Corinthians, godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. How good is that? We can live without regret, with a lifestyle of repentance, because it's available um, to us. So true repentance is not, um, is concerned with the heart, not with just external actions, uh, it's concerned with living in the light of who God is. Um, and it looks to Jesus for the deliverance from the penalty and power of sin. It says in Acts, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. That times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Those of us who know Jesus understand that. That your sins may be wiped out. We understand the pathway of repentance so that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Why would you not want to repent? Repentance is a lifestyle and it's a pathway. It's a familiar pathway. So we come, we we can't fix ourselves. We quickly turn to Jesus for forgiveness and transformation, a lifestyle. Finally, um, a familiar path of forgiveness. Um, This is challenging, isn't it? Forgiving people who harm us is a difficult one. One of the most difficult in life. And kind of the deeper the wound, the more challenging it gets. But forgiveness is a path that the gospel takes us on. It's a familiar path. And it happens when we live in the light of God's forgiveness for you and for me. When we live in that light, we walk in that familiar path um, that he has. The gospel or good news begins with God God moving towards you. That's because God is the offended one. He is the one who is in offense because of sin. We can't get to him. 
the offended one chooses to move towards us. And um, we're the ones that have said, shove off God, I'm in charge. It's called, it's called sin. And this is how big the gospel is. I love this verse. I was reading it recently and it just hit me between the eyes. Romans 5, 16. It says, Nor can the gift of God be compared with the result of one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation. But the gift followed many sins and brought justification. You know, when we first sinned, why didn't God send Jesus then? So sin had happened. Why didn't God just send Jesus then at that point? This verse tells us why he didn't. Um, So it's like God sat in heaven and he watched the world sin over and over, and over, and over, offending, 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 and I could go on. But then he sent Jesus, for God so loved the world that he gave. And the gospel demonstrates how massive it is how massive the forgiveness of God is for us and for our world. When Jesus died on the cross and he rose again from the dead, it is enough. That's what God is saying to us. Sending his son for the world's sin, the all of that offense is enough. It's enough. That's what God's saying. When we think of all that's happening now, Wow, the gospel, the gospel is enough. And the thing about forgiveness is, it is, we release someone from a debt, but it's not just that's part of the journey. The rest of forgiveness is possibly a bit harder. It's reconciliation. If I put that door open now, it's like, you, f- you release someone from the debt, but you also open the door for the possibility of reconciliation. And I just want to say, Dan Allender has said, forgiveness involves a heart that cancels the debt, but does not lend new money until repentance occurs. So I just want to say that reconciliation is based on repentance. And so I'm not saying that in abusive situations or relationships you go back in or anything like that. But reconciliation, the forgiveness of God means that the door is open. You can pray for those situations and those people. And I'm also not saying that forgiveness is the same as trauma because people can have trauma, that's not the same as you forgiving someone. That's just something that you need to be healed and recover recover from. But the gospel, there are two parts to forgiveness. We get the first part, letting off, releasing the debt. 
The second part is reconciliation, opening the door for that relationship, keeping the door open for that relationship. And in the light of the gospel, these are familiar paths to us. Sometimes we see it's hard, we find that hard, don't we? Because, you know, what the person has done against us. But in light of the gospel, we're living with a small view of the gospel. And when we see that, when we struggle, when we're struggling to forgive. A small view of what Jesus has done. We live with that familiar path, recognizing that our, your sin debt and my sin debt is greater and has been forgiven so that we can let others go free. We can forgive others. We hope you enjoyed this message. To find out more about King's Church Warrington, visit our website or find us on Facebook and Instagram.